personal words and appreciate the fact that those that minister in music are so attentive to what it is that they are singing and that we really do have a message presented to us as individuals minister to us in music. So I thank you. If you've been worshiping with us for a period of time, you may have or may not have noticed that uh, I have a tendency to uh, preach expository messages in the morning, working our way through a book. And oftentimes at night, uh, I uh, deal with what might be considered a topic, but they tend to be theological in nature. I have two great loves. One is the exposition of scripture and the other is uh, theology. And uh, I was uh, privileged for a couple of years to be able to teach a biblical seminary in which I was able to teach a class that uh, combined uh, expository uh, study along with theology, my two great, great loves. I say that tonight because we're going to be looking at um, a concept in the book of John, and that is the concept of resurrection. And what theology seeks to do is to integrate Bring together all that God's word says about a particular subject. So you can imagine that that's kind of a mind-boggling process, but it certainly is well worthwhile. And uh, the attempt is a, is a good one. It requires a lot of biblical knowledge and understanding, but it also provides what I like to refer to as aha moments, where things just come together and, and make a tremendous amount of sense as we see an overall picture. And uh, that's what I love about the Word of God, trying to get an overall picture of what the Scripture says about any one given subject. So tonight it's resurrection, and it's resurrection in the book of John. This introduction is a means to be an encouragement. Uh, This might be kind of hard to follow, but try to stay with me. And uh, if you can make it with me to the end, I hope that it provides a kind of aha moment for you as uh, we look about Jesus' teaching on the resurrection. So, introduction. There are a number of incidents that are given in the book of John as signs pertaining to who Jesus is and the ministry that he is engaging in. Jesus performed many signs, according to John chapter 20, uh, and the book of John is actually arranged around the teaching of Jesus with signs that then authenticate that teaching and also illustrate it. For example, Jesus teaches that he is the bread of life, and so he feeds the multitudes. Jesus teaches that he is the light of the world, so he heals the blind man. The teaching is followed by a sign. The signs, as I said, serve a twofold purpose. They both authenticate and illustrate the teaching of Jesus. So the signs demonstrate the reality of what Jesus is teaching, and uh, it gives us a better understanding of what Jesus is teaching. So tonight, the sign that we're going to consider is the raising of Lazarus. 
John chapter 12, verse 17. And the multitude who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, were bearing him witness. For this cause also the multitude went and met him, because they heard that he performed this sign. That's important, because the word of God declares that this is a sign. This is not my thinking. This is not my conclusion. And this is not just simply the way that I put the book of John together. It's the scripture itself that says this is a sign. And so we're to understand it as such. We are to learn uh, a truth about resurrection from Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead that authenticates his power that God does, that Jesus does, in fact, have the power to raise the dead and also to illustrate his teaching about the resurrection. So the raising of Lazarus both authenticated and illustrated Jesus' teaching about life, death, and resurrection. To explore this, the depths of this sign, we must first consider the teaching of Jesus concerning resurrection up to this point. John chapter 12 is pretty far into the book of John. And Jesus has been teaching a number of things about resurrection before he gives the sign. Remember, the sign is to both to authenticate and to illustrate what Jesus taught. So first comes the teaching, and then comes the raising of Lazarus. So we first have to look at the teaching that preceded the raising of Lazarus. Not just immediately, not just that which is in, in uh, chapters 11 and 12, but, but back to the beginning. So, there is in the book of John the emphasis on eternal life, which is both present and future. There is a spiritual aspect to eternal life, and there is a physical aspect to eternal life. We've already gone over that a couple of times, so I didn't give you the proof text for that. It is absolutely necessary that those who are spiritually dead be given new spiritual life. John chapter 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. He said, they have authenticated your message. We know that no one could do this unless God was with him. Therefore, we know that what you were saying is true. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So no one is able to see or comprehend to understand the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So put it another way. In order to be able to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. See, this life comes as a result of hearing Jesus' words. John 5.24, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So the person who hears Jesus' words are those who believe. Whoever hears my word and believes. Those who fail to believe Jesus' words are, uh, excuse me, those who fail to believe are those who are deaf to Jesus' words. Can't really go through all the book of John tonight, but you can follow that imagery in the book of John. The person who hears 
believes. The person who is deaf, who doesn't hear, rejects, is a person who does not believe. D. Note the tension between the present reality and the future ultimate fulfillment with regard to receiving life. The time is present when the spiritually dead hear the voice of Jesus and spiritually live. John 5.24 I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Note that the tenses in the above verse are present. Whoever hears my word, believes in him who has sent me, has eternal life. Present tense. You've got it now. And will be not condemned. He has, notice past tense, crossed over from death into life. That has already been experienced. The person who believes has moved already from death to life. This spiritual life, of which Jesus is referring, is in conjunction with eternal life. I tell you the truth, that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Such a person who hears the voice of Jesus passes from death to life. He is crossed over from death to life. John 5.25, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, John chapter 5, verse 25 is a very interesting verse because it brings together two thoughts that Jesus in chapter 5 is just hinting at that he uh, unfolds later in the book of John. And that is that there is a sense of having life now, and then there's a sense of having life in the future. Such a person who has received life will not experience future judgment. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and now has come, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Now Jesus addresses the resurrection that all who are physically dead will experience. Everyone who is dead will at some point future hear his voice. John 5.28 Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. There is coming a time when every single person who is in the grave is going to hear Jesus' voice summoning them from the grave. Everyone who is dead will come out of the grave, verse 29, and come out. Those who have done good rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So the righteous will experience life, and the unrighteous will experience death or condemnation. Now, I have said repeatedly, and I don't think I can say it enough, that life in the Scripture and eternal life is not simply eternal existence. 
Life is a quality of existence. If you remember, I said that death is separation. Physical death is separation of body and soul. Spiritual death is separation of soul from, from God. You are estranged. To have uh, physical life is uh, to have a reuniting of body and soul. To have spiritual life is to be reunited with, with God. The righteous will experience life. The unrighteous will exist forever and ever. They have a never-ending existence. They are conscious. They are aware. Body and soul functions. But they don't have life in the sense that they are separated from God. And they're going to be cast in a lake of fire. So everyone has eternal existence. The believer has everlasting life in union with God. The non-believer has everlasting death and is alienated, estranged, and separated from God. Notice, Jesus does not say that time has now come. Uh, that time is yet future. Moving on, again in chapter 10, we have an emphasis on hearing Jesus' voice and having life. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. So my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. So bring this together in a synopsis. The common denominator that is found in the book of John is hearing results in life. Hearing, uh, excuse me, uh, life actually, uh, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But there is a relationship, you see, between hearing Jesus' words and having life. Number two, in the raising of Lazarus, we have the sign of one who is physically dead, who hears the voice of Jesus and is physically made alive. So, the raising of Lazarus is one of the most significant events in the ministry of Jesus. The story opens with a message coming to Jesus about Lazarus' being ill. Whereupon, Jesus deliberately stays where he is, rather than coming to help. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. He purposefully did not come to heal Lazarus, for it was 
the intention and purpose of Jesus that Lazarus would die so that he could, in fact, raise Lazarus from the dead. See, when Jesus arrives at Bethany, it is already the fourth day that Lazarus has been in the tomb. This is stressed twice in the text. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. So Lazarus is dead, has been dead for four days. Lazarus is simply summoned out of the tomb by the commanding voice of Jesus. When he had said this, that is, roll the stone away, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus hears the words of Jesus and is given life. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus is then united and set free to life once again. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his uh, his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The sign is the manner in which Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Throughout the book of John, it is people who hear his words live. And the illustration and the authentication is here is a person who is in the tomb. And Jesus commands with a loud voice, not to wake Lazarus out of sleep, but so that everyone can hear and doesn't miss out. And he says simply to Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus hears the word, the command of Jesus, and comes out. That's the sign. It illustrates and authenticates the teaching of Jesus about life and about resurrection. So H, the raising of Lazarus, was a sign is that it authenticated and illustrated Jesus' teaching that those who hear his voice, uh, which resulted in others believing. And so the multitude who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were bearing him witness. For this cause also the multitude went and met him because they heard that he had performed the sign. Three, John intends that the resurrection of Lazarus be a signpost for the reader directing one's attention to the resurrection of Jesus and his teaching concerning the resurrection in general. However, it is the dialogue between Jesus and Martha that provides the framework for understanding the sign with regards to the raising of Lazarus. The the entire chapter turns on the following dialogue. The conversation between Martha and Jesus. Jesus arrives on the scene. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Martha goes out to meet Jesus and says in John 11, 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, even though you disappointed me, even though uh, you didn't follow through, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 26. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. And she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who has come into the world. Now, I want to unpack these couple of verses for you. For there is a lot, actually, in this dialogue. First, the future resurrection is clearly affirmed. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So, Martha knows about the resurrection that's going to occur. Last week, we talked about how the Old Testament saints had an anticipation for the resurrection. She believed that. She said, yes, I know that at the last day, there's going to be a resurrection and he will rise. Jesus is the source of both the resurrection and the life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And of course, later in John 14, he says the same thing. I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the source of resurrection life for all those who believe. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Jesus is also the source of spiritual life. The one who believes in Jesus will never experience spiritual death. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So when he talks in verse 26 about the one who lives and believes in him will never die, he's talking about spiritual life. John 17:3 says, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We believe that it is impossible for a person who is truly born again to be lost. Why is that? Because they have life. They have life. Not temporary life. Eternal life. They have been given life at that moment. And as a result, they will never, it says, die. They will never lose that salvation. They will never be separated from God. E. Jesus can thus be spoken of as being himself the re- uh, as being himself the resurrection, meaning that both that through his present work, people like Lazarus may be raised, and Jesus will in fact raise himself from the dead. So he is the resurrection. Because he is the source of resurrection, everybody rises as a result of the work of Jesus. And he is the resurrection because no one raised him from the dead, but he came forth himself. Nobody called Jesus out of the tomb. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the source of life. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down. I have power to take it up. So he really is life. He gives life because he's the source of life. And he is the very embodiment of life. Like God the Father being self-existent. Not being dependent upon man. This teaches us. Now here is the beginning of the aha moment that I hope that will be meaningful to you. This teaches us 
that faith is the result of life rather than faith producing life. I think that is a very, very important element to understand theologically. Life produces faith, not faith produces life. In other words, life gives the ability to hear. Hearing doesn't bring about life. You see, Lazarus is the perfect example. He is in the grave. What enabled Lazarus to come out? Answer, it was Jesus' word. And the word empowered and enabled Lazarus to come forth. So too, in spiritual life, it is the word of God that produces life. And the life that we have results in faith. But a dead man can't produce faith. A dead man must be made alive in order to believe. Now, notice John six sixty-three. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are Spirit and life. It is the words that Jesus has spoken that produces life. Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So you see the chronology. You have the word of Christ. You have hearing. You have faith. Hearing comes, excuse me, faith comes from hearing. Not faith produces hearing. Ephesians 2.1. This is taught throughout the New Testament. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace, it is by unmerited favor that you have been made alive with Christ. Now, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. How much of a gift is it? Answer, a total gift for it cannot even be exercised before you have life. So when Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He is saying, unless you are alive, you can't see it. You're dead. You're incapable. You're unable to experience life. So, conclusion. 
A. As a result of raising Lazarus, many believed in Jesus. Therefore, many of the Jews who had, who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. Ironically, some of the Jews sought to put Lazarus to death. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. As a result of Jesus' raising Lazarus from the dead, the chief priests sought to kill Jesus. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What are we going to do? He keeps doing these signs. He keeps performing these miracles. He keeps authenticating and illustrating his teaching. And as a result, people are, are believing. What are we going to do? John 11.51 He did not say this on his own, but his high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. So they decide they're going to take Jesus' life so that people wouldn't believe. You understand the futility in that. They don't have power over Jesus' life. On the one hand, they see it. On the other hand, they don't. And the ludicrousness of, we can't let people believe in him. We better kill him. And kill him they do. But Jesus rises from the dead because what he said was true. He is the resurrection and the life. He has the power to raise the dead. And he has the power for himself to come forth from the grave. For he is life. No one raised Jesus from the dead. He himself rose from the dead. So, E. We too should believe the sign with regards to Lazarus and Jesus' own resurrection. We who hear, that is, believe Jesus' words, are made alive. This theological truth has incredible practical applications. The foremost of which is back to Romans, where it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What is it that's going to enable a person to believe? What is going to make the difference from a person that is going to be saved and a person who's going to be lost? When you try to get down to the nitty-gritty of what evangelism is all about, and there are a lot of discussions about seeker-friendly services and what is it that's going to entice people to believe and, and what kinds of things do we need to do to repair soil and all this kind of stuff. If you read any evangelistic books, I mean, it's all about, you know, friendship, whatever. How are you going to, you see, effectually cause a person 
to be born again. And, further, is there anything we can do about that? Is there anything that, that we are able to do that is going to result in a person having eternal life? Is it the manner in which we approach them? Is it the, the setting in which the Word of God is presented? Is it the smile on your face? What is it that is going to, quote-unquote, entice them into the kingdom? Well, I would ask you, what can you do to entice a corpse out of a uh, coffin? You're at a funeral. You wish this person wasn't dead, but they are. So what are you going to do? Play nice music? Smile? Uh, befriend them? Give them a pie? What instrument is going to result in their having life? And you come to the conclusion, you're powerless. You're powerless. Jesus said to the disciples... When um, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and uh, Jesus said, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And uh, he went away and Jesus said, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And the disciples marveled at that. And then Jesus says, it is impossible. It's impossible. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. It is impossible. It is impossible for us to save anyone. Because they are dead and we can't give life. But Jesus can. But not only can Jesus give life, he told us how he does it. That instrument that he uses to give life is his word. He speaks, and there is life. Genesis 1. God said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke it into being. Jesus, in John chapter 1, is the Word of God. And the Word dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten uh, of the Father, full of grace and truth. All things became through Him, and not anything that was made was made without Him. That's in John chapter 1. Why is that there? To point us back to Genesis 1, when God spoke, and it came into existence. Jesus says, come forth, and the body will come out of the grave. That is the reason why. That is the enablement. That is how it's going to happen. How are we going to rise from the dead? Answer, Jesus is going to command it, and we will come forth. Spiritually, how is a dead person made alive? Answer, by the command of Jesus. It's his word. As we declare the word of God, the word itself is life-giving. For those that Jesus calls, even as he said, Lazarus, come forth. John says, my sheep know my voice. 
He says, I call them by name. Just as he called Lazarus from the tomb, he calls us from spiritual death into spiritual life. He has known us before the foundation of the earth. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the reason tonight you believe is because you heard the saving message of the gospel. And at that moment, Jesus gave you life. And you heard. And you believed. And you accepted. And you have everlasting life. It's a powerful song. And a powerful illustration. And a powerful truth. Faith comes as a result of life. We were dead in trespasses and sin. We have life because He gave us His Word. So then, brothers and sisters, the only thing that we can do in order to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is to impart His Word. And it's not the manner, it's not the place, it's not the circumstance. It is the Word and nothing else that is going to cause a person to be born again. The power is in the Word for all those that Jesus calls by name. That is life in the book of John. And it's the foundation of the resurrection. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your word and help us. Uh, we rejoice, O oh Lord, that we have heard because we have heard your word and you have given us life. And as a result, we have believed. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you for the life that you have given and the faith that we now possess. And help us look forward to that day when though our bodies are in the tomb, they will hear the command of Jesus to come forth and we will be reunited, body and soul. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed.